Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. How's it hanging this week? Pretty good. It's been a week. I'll give you that. It has. Steven, I know you read that. We'll, yeah. we'll get to the series bullshit later. Mm-hmm. I joined the PSA t- convention just started, and I'm a delegate. Ooh. How was cool. How it was going is I uh, am up 150 points on my Blitz game from <laughs> a month ago. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what are you at, like 1,100? No, no, man. No, I was at 990 today. No, I was yeah. really bad. Oh, shit. I joined TikTok. Oh, yeah, finally. Yeah, finally. I'm writing about TikTok stars, so now my goal is to become one. But, yeah, I, I've i just posted a bunch of videos of myself playing acoustic guitar, doing nice. covers. Uh, I'll have to follow you. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, this past week, I went to see my friend Scott Cease, who you may know as a... He got TikTok famous uh, with Mm. the customer service uh, videos. So um, he did a show at the Bell House this past week, and it was great. Though it was like he had to do like some part like direct from the video to please the audience. (laughs) Yeah, like he had to play the hits. Basically, but I know Scott to be a very funny person, a very talented stand-up comedian, among other things. So I was glad all those people came and saw him uh, and saw some of his other jokes. But everybody I know who's had any kind of real success on TikTok that I know personally, it's always like they put something up. But it wasn't like a whole engineered for success event. Like they wanted their little video to be good, but it wasn't like whatever. And then as of right now, the algorithm on TikTok, it makes it somewhat easier to get a lot of views compared to other places. So, yeah. I mean, I am deep in this. I can Mm -hmm. go on and on. There are just like Andy Warhol factories of influencers just all over the world. I don't know if it's government subsidized media companies, but there's definitely one in every country where it's just like a, a mini mansion or a huge apartment and like five, like 16 year old, you know, oh, like the Logan Paul house. Yeah, yeah, like they all appear in each other's videos and they all have a bazillion followers. Well, what do you, Steven, what do you think about like the more like it's one thing if the influencer is like a certain kind of personality, blah, blah, blah. We get it. But there's all these other niche things on a platform like TikTok, like yes. a lot of ASMR stuff, a, a lot, lot of, of weird cooking videos. I was uh, just going to say cook, cook, cooking people 
do great. Yeah. You you make um, a, a short 30-second preview of a meal and end it with a dish and million views. Mm-hmm. And I do think it is it is a certain level of, I don't know, simulation and pornography at work. Like desire objects. Yeah. We're going to get philosophical about it. These things that we desire, these things that give us pleasure, and you can consolidate as much pleasure principle into 30 seconds to two minutes, and people will just eat it up like crack really just never stop keep going Mm -hmm. keep shuffling never Um, make the food never make the food just enjoy the fact that somebody else did and yeah the jean suis right isn't that the word Jusons. The pleasure of desire. Not actually being pleasured by something, but, you know, kind of being pleasured by the idea. The other thing that I notice is, like, magicians get big, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a TikTok profile of a deaf musician. So there's a lot of, like, identity things, and, like, this person was, like, Right, deaf pride, and there's like a novelty-ness to taking two things that are eye-catching and putting them together, being deaf and a magician put into one package. And he's pretty good at his illusions. <laughs> um, but, you know, that type of finding... A new novelty. Yeah. But I mean, like, really it's well. like he's deaf. He's not blind, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. But it's all visual, too. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is, you know, he looks deaf. Okay. <laughs> I, I um, just would imagine it would be difficult to learn sleight of hand if you were blind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's actually a pretty good uh, sleight of hand blind magician on compared uh, to Penn and Teller. But yeah, no, that's definitely the more impressive disability to have if you're going to do magic. Here's another one that that was a, a mashup of novelty. It was a legally blind albino man, mm-hmm. and he was like 21, and he just had a giant white beard. Well, that's Brother Ali. Um, and entrepreneurial advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah, it was stupid, but, you know, he had like a million point eight followers or whatever. Yeah, because just in my uh, music dive I've been getting into lately, um, one of the artists uh, is uh, Brother Ali, who is an albino man, a white albino Muslim rapper from like mm-hmm. wisconsin i think he's not awesome but he's like basically a guy who like saw america spelled with three k's once and thought that was genius mm-hmm. and just never looked back but yeah that's just <laughs> the albino thing but yeah so you can see these like unlikely influencers well they're either models and they're like manufactured to be popular on tiktok or they have these quirky identity meets surprising talent 
Mm-hmm. Well, then there's also like the dances and yeah. and whatnot, which I find really funny because it's like dances choreographed for a vertical filming situation. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's very cheerleadery. Um, yeah, but- uh, it's it, it's kind. I always view it as like a. It's almost a tradition or like a, a process of coming to the platform you have to learn the certain language of movement in order to be ingratiated into the platform mm-hmm. and it's a holdover uh, originally tiktok before it was tiktok it was musically mm-hmm. and the entire idea of musically was these dances and uh, then basically someone bought musically and it turned into tiktok and now you have people who are nostalgia dancers who are like who remembers 2016 musically and they're Mm -hmm. doing those dances and they're like you're not a real tiktok dancer unless you know these dances from back in 2016 and they're all the same you know kind of like hyper cheerleading but those dances are they're even more than the ones they are currently and they're even more jarring and childish i guess would be the way i would describe it as my old man self would it's funny to think about some of the people who've gotten famous primarily from like tiktok dances um and then like to be spoken about as if they are not, not to say that somebody like what's her face, Addison Ray, isn't a dancer, dancer. But like, how would I know? Because <laughs> well, that's I've when the simu- is- that's when the simulation and reality kind of blur together, and mm-hmm. like fame is just an algorithm that is picking up whatever and streamlining it through this kind of market mm-hmm. system. That's yeah very scientific as we'll get to david from i have lots of thoughts on tiktok because we can figure out i work in the culture industry of tiktok for a website called famous birthdays which is a minimum wage job where i do profiles of new and up and coming famous people so that when you hear the name Addison Ray and you're like, oh, what's their birthday? You can go to famous birthdays. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically just a wiki. It's a it's a wiki knockoff that is oh. really useful for like middle schools. If they're like, OK, whose birthday is today? Go on this website choose somebody whose birthday is today and and do like a five sentence essay on them but it's also just like milking a seo situation where like if someone's famous a kind of inevitable thing that people uh will you know search about them is their birthday yeah uh there's similar sites to to this will more have like general gossip or like marriage and children information but some of those sites are very clearly written by a machine a machine or non-english speakers because it'll it'll just be phrased awkwardly or it'll get things wrong that you know and in this case for famous birthdays i am the machine yeah i am the soft machine Mm mm-hmm 
I am the body without organs that is behind the website. You said you did an influencer that was an astrology influencer. That witch talk is bit pretty big too. Astrology yeah. and witch talk are. Yeah, I've done a couple witch talks. Um, my favorite one was the woman who was giving explainers about UFOs and USOs. USOs, yeah, mm-hmm. she was awesome. Uh, the USO. Comedy tour? No, the underwater... Unidentified submerged object. Mm -hmm. She was big into that. She was big into that, and that got her like bajillions of views, Mm because people love that. Um, yeah, yeah. Paranormal stuff, alien stuff is real big. Like, And also, the way TikTok is, it provides this... You could very easily tell a fictional story and make it look like you were just reporting on your TikTok or whatever. There's a lot, I've come across a lot of things like that where I'm like, this is too well thought out to be someone being like, oh, something weird happened, you know? But I'm like sort of admiring at the same time. Cause I've, I've definitely watched like several TikToks on someone's page because I'm like, well, what happened? Yeah, the other one I did, the astrology one, was just somebody who was giving relationship advice based on people's astrology signs. signs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then concocting these webs of signs and signifiers that correspond to personality types. And basically, somebody's like, should I text back this Sagittarius? And then you go on this guy's TikTok and he'll give you an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, burn it all to the ground. I can already hear Marlo's disgust. Hmm? Okay, yeah, I mean, there's... that sounds incredibly stupid. Is there anything else you wanted well, to the, know from me? See, I was right. Disgust. Nothing disgust. but disgust. Burn it yeah. all to the ground. The, the other thing I find interesting about TikToks is the propensity for people to use the, like, auto-generated voice to narrate their videos instead of just doing it themselves. Yeah, that's like, a that's a definite um, aesthetic. But yeah, where it's become like an aesthetic, it's like it is bad and it is not good. It is. It sounds awkward and weird, but because it's so ubiquitous, it's almost like its own language. It's the language yeah. of the platform. It's not the language of, you know, a good media. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like the text to talk on Twitch a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it sounds that, like. That at least has a bit of an interactive quality with the streamer. Well, what they'll usually do is they'll have a comment being read by the auto-generated voice, and then they'll respond to it with a video. So it's like Twitch, but not live streaming, i.e. Yeah. the one thing that Twitch is good for. Yeah, it'll be like, what is your mother's name? And then they'll do a video where they're pointing to a floating signifier with the name above them in the video. Yeah. Which is interactive in a different way. Or like, what country do you come from? And then they'll be like pointing in different directions with the various ethnic groups that they are or countries that they come from. A lot of people are very fascinated with the race of people. And that's a common thread because all the Zoomers are very multiracial. 
Well, yeah, they're very susceptible to race science. It's like, but that, I mean, that's not just the Zoomers. That's a lot of people. But, but not only that, the people that get really popular are also non-English speaking because mm-hmm. I think there's a less people that have the means to be on TikTok in a certain language. And therefore, everybody who's in India that has TikTok, like, just follows five people. Mm-hmm. Or, like, everybody in the greater Indian diaspora follows the five Indian people that are famous on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Uh, it's definitely like that with, uh, with our Greeks. Yeah, there's, like, four or five Mostly Greek Americans. I think mm-hmm. there's one or two Greek Australians. Greeks definitely like show up for stuff like that. They're like, oh, they're talking about us. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, people from Philly. Yeah, a little bit. Then it's this like niche content, but then it kind of like, then they're producing more and more of like, right now, a bunch of them are in Greece and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm back in Greece. And like, let's talk about all the things that are weird about Greece. Like, in lots of places, here's a fun fact. In lots of places, the plumbing is insufficient and you cannot flush the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's a lot of countries. That's a lot of countries, but well, people are I mean, often surprised. A country's economy is basically their toilet. <laughs> we learned that from Zizek, right, Marlo? Uh, yeah, well, no, he, he actually had the ideology toilet one. I think the old uh, sociology adage for... At least within America, being able to assess the poverty of an area is roads and teeth. Mm. Yeah. That does make sense. I don't trust people with missing teeth. Well, I mean, it just means they're poor. Like, if you go to an area where it's like, yeah, the roads are complete shit, uh, that typically is one of the first infrastructural things that gets axed. And, uh, you know. And same with uh, teeth, and it's very noticeable and uh, gives you a quick uh, assessment of the area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Sometimes they, like, guest on each other's now, so it is a very sort of little world unto itself, you know? And I kind of regret not milking this angle. Uh, well, you can always start tomorrow. That's true. But I need to find another, you know, there's several kinds of Greeks already being done. So I don't know. But yes, that it's definitely a thing. Like we were talking before about the cooking videos. There's definitely little like niches that are very, you know, and then the way TikTok works, you click on one of those, then you're seeing them forever. So, yeah. And also then like inevitably, if they get popular enough, They'll start selling you things or doing Amazon unboxings or mm-hmm. makeup sales. That's how you make a living on TikTok is just yeah. getting a sponsorship when you have over 100,000 followers. Yeah. Who would, who would you want to sponsor you if you um, get a mega following? I would say for my videos, a, a guitar company. Nice. If they could give me different guitars to play in my videos, I would absolutely play them. And I'd get guitars. Nice. Picks, I guess, also would work. T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Companies. So not like Goldman Sachs. <laughs> well, I mean, if you come a-knockin', 
<laughs> yeah. Or, uh, more like Goldman sucks me off. Yeah. Like, if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, I will take your money, Goldman Sachs. <laughs> if I'm allowed to do the ad for you that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's not classy enough. I think we really should go the uh, dick pills and... Vibrators. Uh, vibrators and CBD and like Ooh, general. Yeah, I could sell bullshit CBD products. Yeah. Do you want to like not get high, but you know, say that you had CBD? I don't even know. What does CBD do? Uh, well, this is going to go into an ad read that I've pretty much memorized Cushy <laughs> Dreams. It has all the good effects of weed, but none of the drawbacks. Getting high but Steven, there aren't any drawbacks to weed. It's weed. Oh, let me tell you about all the... Po- you have pains in your joints? Take CBD. You, uh, you know, have the shakes from caffeine withdrawal? Take CBD. These weak people who can't do caffeine. I know. I People who are always trying to give up caffeine are like, what are you be trying normal. to prove? Yeah. <laughs> just be normal. What are you trying to prove? It's fine if you just don't like coffee or something. You don't have to like anything. It's weird to me. I, I, I like coffee quite a lot, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, but people me, are like, I, it's unclean. I must detox from caffeine. Yeah, well, you know, my religion is I drink, like, way too many cups of coffee to the point where I'm, like, sort of just twitching on my bed and then I like see the face of God. See, but that's not a caffeine addict. If you're a caffeine addict, you take the pills and you take those little five hour energy things like compulsively. Coffee is for weak people, yes. It's the caffeine pills that'll fry your brain. Yeah, that'll just give you a heart attack. (laughs) I mean, that's where the, I would imagine the addiction comes more serious. Yeah, no, but you do have all those, like, I'm trying to quit coffee people, Mm. Mm -hmm. like, is a real thing. I, I feel like, as a child, this idea that people were so addicted to coffee started, like, coming about. Uh, like, true, I've seen people uh, drink so much they, you know, get all jittery and, like, whatever. Yeah, but, they're having a great time, and you should let them do it. But I feel like it's more of a... I feel like it's made up. <laughs> yeah, no, like, it's, it's just something they, like, said to sell you more shitty Sunday morning comic strips mm-hmm. about oh, what's that horrible comic strip with that chick in it? You're not talking about Kathy. Yeah, Kathy, that's it. Kathy rules. <laughs> yeah, no, every Kathy is just like, oh, I haven't had coffee yet, let me murder you. I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know, but I'm always like, alright, everyone calm down. quick. Well, they can't because they're addicted to coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Scarlett Johansson, who plays Black Widow in the like Marvel universe, her standalone film recently came out and it was released as many other Disney movies have been this past year. It was released both in theaters and premium access on Disney+. Plus. Now, Scarlett is suing, saying that there is a breach of contract here in this. Disney uh, is like, oh, Scarlett, how could you be so mean? Like, we're just trying to be so safe. Like, we're just trying to have people be safe. This is a very weird Disney character. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, as their fucking shitty 
theme parks still open. But it, it's funny because it's like, when was the writer's strike? Like, when was that big fucking writer's strike? Was that 10 years ago now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like 10 years ago, you had this big writer's strike where these writers were like, hey, uh, we're not getting paid for digital distribution, and this seems like it's going to be a big deal. And they didn't do anything about it. And now actors are starting to go, hey, we're not getting paid for digital distribution, and this is kind of fucked up. Yeah, no. And the other thing with Black Widow is you have to pay $30 to rent it. Yeah, from, it's not In addition free. to having a Disney Plus subscription. So it's not like this is some abstract thing of like, oh, well, it's a free movie for a subscription service. Does she want like a cut of the subscriptions or something like that? Yeah, it's like you do have to pay to watch it. You can look up on Wikipedia the phrase Hollywood accounting because this has just gone on forever and everyone knows about it. Probably the most famous recent story being uh, that according to Paramount Pictures, Forrest Gump lost money. And you think to yourself, well, that's absurd. It was one of the biggest movies of the decade. And uh, the thing was, the author of the novel Forrest Gump agreed to take net profits from the movie. So the studio made sure that the movie lost money so they didn't have to pay him. And they just continuously do this and they will use every fucking trick in the book to get out of paying people that they say they're going to pay. That's just called the art of the deal. Yeah, and so in the case of Scarlett Johansson, she, like every other major star of her caliber, she has a cut of box office revenue negotiated into the contract so now disney is basically undercutting their own box office revenue by putting it on disney plus uh when they did that you know they used the pandemic as an excuse scarlet's people did apparently reach out to disney and said okay yeah we understand that you have to do this for you know COVID and all, but uh, we should talk about renegotiating the contract in light of that. And Disney basically blew him off, and so now she's suing. I mean, there's the basic backlash, which comes either in the one form, which is just straight-up Disney cuckoldry of giant man-babies who, like, like their fucking shitty comic book movies and just uh, think that a corporation is their friend. And those people are a lost cause. But you also have this, like, pseudo-populist left argument of, oh, well, she has money or some shit. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, not even to get into, like, oh, well, actually, from a Marxist standpoint, she's a worker. Because that almost, like, to me, makes it seem like this is some, like, moral category that we need to assess to judge whether a person's worthy or not. Uh, And that's not really the point. The point is basically that Disney is a giant studio that is using... every bullshit excuse in the books people have been seeing this from a mile away case in point the writer's strike 10 fucking years ago that they're using digital distribution to get out of paying people well i mean just in general the way entertainment works is uh, a comic uh, i like quite a bit sarah schaefer did a video on this recently where she talked about like how a TV show gets made, right? And um, she does it in the guise of, like, just three easy steps, but every step has, like, a million sub-steps within it. (laughs) Something that she comes back to over and over again is that, like, at every point in the process of being a creative who is 
trying to get your idea made. At every point, you are talking to people who are like, yeah, but let's change the idea (laughs) for it to be like what I like. And that happens, you know, eight or nine times almost before like a show we'd ever get to see it. You know, sometimes you can go through that whole process and uh, they just won't ever air it for no reason and never tell you why. (laughs) So that's just a fun thing about entertainment uh, is that, you know, at the non-Scarlett Johansson level, there are all these scenarios where you think you've gotten your break or your whatever. And then it's just arbitrarily sort of taken away or dissolves or et cetera. You often see where like, uh, with sports contracts, you often see it being used as this wedge issue for broader anti-labor language, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, yeah, sure. These people make a lot of money. You're not fucking interesting for pointing that out. None of us have been living under a rock. We are aware that in American society, there's a segment of people in the entertainment, sports, etc. field who get paid seemingly a lot of money beyond their social usefulness. And uh, yeah, great. Like, I, I know. Like, it kind of reminds me, when I was a little kid uh, growing up, my mom would always have Oprah on, and Oprah would always have this Kid Genius episode. And every fucking Kid Genius on her show, this little fucking nerd goes, if I was president, I would make teachers and doctors get paid more than sports stars, and everyone would fucking clap. You know, it's just stupid, tired dialogue that we know about. That is distracting from the fact that Disney doesn't want to pay people for doing a thing that they said they'd pay them for. Yeah. Well, and that's the funny thing, too, is that for people to look at it and be like, oh, if she's got money. Well, Disney's got money that technically they should give her like <laughs> where uh, because you could pin it on Scarlett Johansson. And believe me, I'm no huge fan of Scarlett Johansson. She did marry Colin Jost. But also, I did go see Black Widow, so. <laughs> I don't want to pay $30 on top of my Disney Plus to watch a movie at my house, unless it well, was... Well, I mean, the idea behind the $30 is maybe you and, like, six friends would split it. Yeah, or we, you can keep watching it after that initial time. So, it's not just, like, renting it or etc. It's... You can watch it over and over again from there on. The the same thing happens in the music industry to an almost like absurd level. I I mean, they're they're known for it, for just undercutting any payment to the actual musicians. Well, yeah, I mean, Motown wouldn't be Motown if you didn't hear the. Well, not even Motown, though. It's not even like that's always the one that's the most egregiously held up because it destroyed black musicians and then white musicians got incredibly rich uh, playing the same songs as black musicians because of the way the contracts were written up. But like this practice literally continues today where if you're a band and you're signing a contract, you get nothing from online distribution. And I mean, that that was a, a war that was waged like 10 to 15 years ago that musicians lost and you still don't get any like you get maybe a half of a quarter of a penny 
for every view on Spotify or something like that. There's no set market or regulations for digital distribution. It is, I mean, this is why people have like corporations as their friends because they're literally just paying the corporations straight more or less without paying the performers or actors or musicians. Well, this Scarlett Johansson and everything situation touches on, I don't know if you guys came across one of several things uh, Matt Damon uh, said today. Uh, I saw <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what a fun person. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, of course, Front Street is, uh, for some reason, Matt Damon told on himself that he was still using the F slur and that it took a, like, essay from his daughter and <laughs> and he's recently within months has just recently decided to retire it he apparently had said some joke that has the word in it and his daughters were like yo oh, that fucking dad. that fucking rules yeah so but the other thing he said um which is movies as we know them aren't going to be a thing in our kids lives and he made a specific point like so his that thesis is centered around the idea that people no longer first of all assuming this is what people did in the past people no longer go to the movies because of a leading man You know, uh, and then he gives the example of, you know, people go to established properties and these franchises and, you know, people go to see Iron Man. It doesn't anyone with wit could play Iron Man. It didn't have to be Robert Downey Jr., Right. Yeah, but that's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. Uh, first of all, he's ignoring the context specifically of it being a vehicle that like allowed Robert Downey Jr. to like re-enter Hollywood again, uh, <laughs> and you know how that sort of it wasn't entirely clear from the get-go that that Iron Man movie was going to be the start of a what's now the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Disney didn't even own Marvel at that point. And also, Um, to another point is, it's not even clear that outside of the MCU, any major cinematic universe is really sticking with audiences. Like, I mean, what else has had, like, 35 fucking films or whatever the fuck? Just that it's good, actually sustained. Just good old Fast and the Furious, baby. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, like, you know, Warner Brothers still is doing DC. and mm-hmm. Which I think DC they, should tent pole around Harley Quinn instead of trying to use one of the heroes. I say well, they, like Harley Quinn the cartoon or just the character? The character. Character. I feel like because I feel like they've also tried to do that, but uh, you know we'll see how James Gunn does. But, well, uh, what happened was they made the first Suicide Squad movie and then they like chopped it all up. However, they God, wanted that it movie was all like disjointed so and weird. But uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was still a very like standout performance, like incredibly likable, like etc. So I suppose that's to his point where it's like yeah no at this point we're not even talking about the movie we're talking about a character from a movie that everyone hated as a way of like conceiving of movies now 
I thought well, yeah. that it was the other way around, though, that he said we don't talk about it as though it were one character actor. No, he's saying that we don't go for the, like, we don't go to the movie to see the actor work, which is something that I, one, call into question, first of all. Like, I don't know what in your fucking, uh, where you grew up in Boston, uh, Matt Damon, but, like, I don't know who, what group of people you, in your imagination, go to the movies, unless they're just like, oh, I'm a big fan of so-and-so. Well, like, you know, back in the day, I want to I wanna see Humphrey Bogart do this performance. He really yeah, or kills Tom it. Tom Cruise, or... Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, to his... I get Jackie what he's saying. Like, yeah, no, I mean, to his point, the thing that sells Marvel isn't the ensemble cast so much as it is Marvel yeah. and these characters first and actors second. I guess. Uh, like, the 1970s, uh, like, ensemble cast, like, Ocean's Eleven type movie, or even the remake Ocean's Eleven type movie, isn't necessarily going to get people going, oh my god, uh, so-and-so and so-and-so are in a movie together? That's neat. Yeah, I guess. I just think he's overblowing it. And to me, when I was younger, before this like existed, I was... A comic book fan. And I didn't understand why so often when movie studios made a movie based on comic books that they like wildly deviated from the source material often. Right. And I'm, I was always like, why would you take something that has an already established fan base and then be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> We're going to do some other shit, which is kind of like. The story behind, uh, I feel like, Halle Berry's Catwoman. <laughs> well, like they, okay. they made Is a movie called Catwoman, but it wasn't Catwoman. And Batman wasn't there. It wasn't Selena Kyle. And she was kind of supernatural. And it was just like, why did we do this? <laughs> I think it was. there's an element of this that somebody basically was like, hey, there's already an established uh, fan base connected to these things if we use that as the baseline instead of doing something derivative from it. Like, I mean, okay. Yeah. Like in the nineties, you could say, Hey, this is Robin Williams next movie. Mm -hmm. And that would get people to go to the movie on that basis. Whereas now it's, Hey, this is a movie from this already established property with characters that you've already seen, literal same name characters you've seen in other movies, and that's what gets people to go. So, I mean, I can see that. Like, it's one thing to say, oh, this is a Robin Williams movie. Robin Williams plays certain kinds of characters that we can expect certain things from, but it's not the same character mm -hmm. movie to movie. It's not you know, it's completely different universe, different premise, doing different things. You know, Eddie Murphy movies in the 80s, things like that. And yeah, I don't know that you necessarily have that today. I guess. I think you have it with directors. Well, yeah. I think more, more so maybe now. Like with... Uh, yeah. Like this is the next Quentin Tarantino movie mm -hmm. coming out. Yeah, or like, which or like, itself is like kind of a 70s throwback. Yeah. Well, uh, like there's going to be a new Jordan Peele movie. Right. I just, I, all I know about it is the leading cast and the name of it. 
Like, mm-hmm. and I've seen the poster. There, no other information has been given about it, but I will probably go see that movie because I have liked his other stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That, I guess, yeah, is probably more of a thing than it was in the 90s, um, but also similar to how things were back in the 70s. But then you do have these tentpole franchises, which, again, I mean, is MCU, and I don't know what else. Uh, But, I mean, the whole idea behind the MCU is, yeah, no, the company is going to crush the creativity of all the -the above-the-line people in this movie to make it a predictable franchise. And that's the point of it. And that is why people who like it like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, COVID's back. Yeah, just in time, moving back to New York, baby. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I was going to say... The last time we three were all together in the same room, we were talking about how COVID may or may not pop off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not back in the same room, but it's going to be under similar circumstances. Yeah, uh, I think that this time I'll just ignore it. Yeah, sounds like a plan. <laughs> I'm vaccinated, don't care. I don't know. I feel... But uh, now the vaccines don't work? That is not it. It's a very... I mean, as far as I know, uh, the only people I've heard say the vaccines don't work are people who are already anti-vax. So, like, what it is is it it functions like a flu vaccine where you can still get... uh, It doesn't help to stop the spread is more accurate. I guess. I mean, I don't... Because you can carry the COVID virus, not get any of the symptoms, and spread it to people who are unvaccinated. Oh, God. Steven, you're going to get us, like, banned off all the platformers? No, this was... A, who cares? And B, no, like, this is what the CDC has said. It's saying it's more unlikely if you have the vaccine, but like one out of every six or whatever you can catch the virus not know that you caught the virus and then you know transmit it to somebody else which you know some might say validates an anti-vax argument or would validate uh like a new modified vaccine rollout which i think they're already talking about like a third shot yeah Whatever, I'll get a third shot. Fuck it. This is not an anti-vax argument. I will, this I will is get a, a shot every two weeks for a year and see if I get superpowers from that. Like, from what I can tell, <laughs> the way in which the vaccine worked it, is it was not as effective for the mutated virus. And now that it's mutated and spreading everywhere from India because we refuse to offer patents to, you know, India so that they could vaccinate their own population. Now it's spreading around the world. Yeah. Now, that's how globalism works. (laughs) It works by Marlowe is vaccinated and I don't care anymore. Well, yeah, because we're just going to solve all the problems by demanding everyone be vaccinated everywhere. Right? Well, that <laughs> that brings us to our reading series mm-hmm. by David Frum of The Atlantic called Time for Covenomics. 
Government has ah. done what it can. Now we need to use the power of free markets to fight the pandemic. So he sets up in his previous article, anti-vaxxers are to blame. Now he's got some solutions. First, Canada overtook the United States in the vaccine race. Now, the European Union has done so. Even poor European countries such as Greece... <laughs> Lithuania and Poland have surpassed vaccine-resistant U.S. states such as Ohio, Arkansas, and Missouri. Hmm, there's something about those states. Why is this happening? Facebook exists on the other side of the Atlantic as much as it does on ours. Europeans do not lack for far-right political parties swayed by Russian misinformation. They are not better educated. Most EU countries send fewer of their young people to post-secondary institutions than the United States does, because we're such smarty pants. Anybody who has ever visited a European pharmacy has seen that Europeans are at least as susceptible to quack medicine as Americans. One big difference between the U.S. and the EU is that European governments have been readier than U.S. governments to impose direct consequences on those who refuse vaccines. On July 1st, the European Union adopted a digital pass confirming one's vaccinated status and individual member states are restricting access to public facilities for those who do not carry the pass. In Italy, for example, after August 6th, anyone over the age of 12 who wants to enter a restaurant, gym, swimming pool, or cinema will need to have their green pass scanned at the door. The EU system turns proof of vaccine into a QR code that EU citizens can store on their phone. The same code works in all EU countries and is available free of charge to EU citizens in both their national language and English. By contrast, U.S. governments have been very reluctant to go the proof-of-vaccine route. Many Republicans-governed states have gone out of their way to protect the right to infect. And even if a state were to try to roll out such a mandate, how would it do so? My CDC-issued proof-of-vaccine is a piece of cardboard inscribed with a nurse's handwriting. I can scan it with my phone and instantly email it anywhere on Earth, but the document itself remains the product of Depression-era library card technology. The COVID denial policies of so many state governments did not result from inaction, inattention, or incompetence. They were intentionally adopted to serve influential constituencies and uphold powerful ideologies. <laughs> this is really insidious sounding. They are not mistakes. They are plans. Mm -hmm. But if ideologically deformed local government defines 21st century America, so too does the ingenuity and adaptability of the private sector. Science did its part. Like, wh okay, why the private sector when he just got done saying that the exact opposite is what helped worked in Europe? Yeah, like... Oh, yeah, that's just amazing to me. Science did its part. I'm doing my part. I just saluted. By developing the vaccines in record time, the federal government and many state governments did their part by getting vaccines into willing arms. Now, here's where markets get to do their part. Thanks to gerrymandering and the overrepresentation of rural areas in legislatures and Congress, unvaccinated America exerts disproportionate political power. 
Ooh. Vaccinated America, however, has more market power. And it's time for individual consumers to start using it. Okay, I got to pause there and un- it like, makes no fucking sense. unpack some of it. Well, you got to get into like the from brain. You got to. Yeah, I like, mean, it just, I'm sorry, it makes no fucking sense. You got to you, you make yourself from. I mean, I bit. think the main thing to unpack is that he correctly identifies this as being uh, irrational decisions to serve a particular minority group it's just the minority group is the private interest that he's extolling not some vague uh nonsensical ideology well you know that is part of post-ideological neoliberalism is that it only sees ideology when it's not itself like it sees differences ideology i mean again the if He's extolling the European model by his own description. That was the help of an overwhelming, overbearing nanny state. Mm-hmm. He's not um, arguing for an overbearing nanny state. He's actually pointing doubling, out he's doubling down on the private sector. Yeah, and that's after where pointing out that the other thing worked really well. Well, and I want to point out that the reason people are so skeptical of vaccines or at least one of the reasons is in large part because of markets i mean it's because the way that algorithms market to you it's the way that yeah no um, and i mean that's the other classic thing is choice is everyone loves markets and hates big tech but like big tech is just a marketing firm yeah, that's the only like creepy shit about big tech is all this like data mining and shit is just to give you a targeted ad. They don't really care about anything else. And when there's a bunch of people who are skeptical of vaccines, they will market vaccine yeah. skeptical things to you. That's mm-hmm. the yeah. free market working. Yeah, no, that is absolutely the free market at work. <laughs> and the way to fight against that is to do what the EU did and just uh, have... Rush a, it over- with Stalinist boots. Yeah. <laughs> like, just say, like, no, no, your opinion is wrong, um, and do this, or else the coercive power of the state will stop you. Well, he has a different plan, and that's the other coercion, uh, which is, uh, it's, it's very funny. Okay, so here he goes on, and he gives a couple of examples to remedy this problem. Ordering an Uber or a Lyft? Ask the driver whether he is vaccinated. If oh not, refuse the ride. Jesus Christ, you you just want to make a fair trade for, like, a fat New Yorkers to, like, but for vaccinations. Like, you just want to make a fair trade label. That's it. Well, if the company tries to charge you for the refusal, complain. Pretty soon, Uber and Lyft will require that their drivers be vaccinated. I love it. Pretty soon. <laughs> like, one, two, three. Like, uh, you know, I just love the faith people have in the power of, like, consumer demands. And yeah. almost like this this self-righteousness. Like, it's up to us with our consumer demands to shape, like, a, yeah, a, a good world. Just directly pestering fucking sub-minimum wage workers. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you're dealing with children. If you tell 
a child something akin to like our religion is the best religion right people do this a lot whatever religion they are um because they have this naive idea that they're gonna tell the kid this oh they don't need to hear anything else la 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 it's just great it's the best but often what that child does is you know goes to school and is like guess what mine's the best you guys fucking suck (laughs) blah 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 like it is that that same like childish impulse like that's what i see here it's like yes i get why people should be vaccinated and la 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 but this idea that you can have a objectively clean reason to be essentially a judgmental bitch <laughs> like the judgmental bitchiness exists separate from the entire vaccine covid scenario you know that's the like what he was mining in the article he was All right like, he goes he goes on and gives another very relatable example contemplating a holiday cruises departing from florida are forbidden to require proof of vaccination from passengers cruises departing from almost all other ports do require it plan accordingly That'll show them, Davey. <laughs> All you need to do Those... is let a few hundred cruise ships float off without you. I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I imagine David Frum is somebody who overestimates, like, his personal power as a consumer. Like, he's definitely said, like, well, you've lost yourself a customer. You know? well, yeah, he's said that all the time. He's mm-hmm. definitely that guy. Hundreds of bars and restaurants in New York, San Francisco, and other cities require proof of vaccination from their patrons. When making your next reservation, ask whether that establishment does too. Even consumer pressure can only do so much, though. Yeah, nothing. He yeah, admits absolutely the nothing. Private businesses need to do their part as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just the said that. Things, That's what you just said. The only things that exist. New consumer State, demands and private business. New York State has created a phone-based digital pass. Businesses elsewhere in the United States can pressure their governments to create similar voluntary systems, or they can band together to create their own. Two centuries ago, Alexis did... Tocqueville, Tocqueville. Decaville, like Toke, de Tocqueville, remarked that whereas in France, new initiatives were habitually launched by the government, in the United States, it was private associations that led the way. There's no reason that can't hold true today. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, except it doesn't work. The thing you just said, it doesn't work. And as you said, Stephen, the thing that private enterprise is doing is feeding anti-vax propaganda to anti-vaxxers. Because it's the fucking market. <laughs> like, 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 the, the consumer demands are being met by the supply. Like, what... Yes, yeah, no, that's, all, that's all that's happening. And uh, like, how do they? How do they not see this as the exact ideology that they themselves constantly prop up as the end all? Like the fact that people can choose whether or not to get vaccinated or not is a result of like this illusory freedom of choice. Okay, underneath the right wing outrage against big tech is the recognition that America's most dynamic and fastest growing companies all recognize that 
when they must choose, choosing the values of metropolitan America is just better business. The pride flag is more lucrative than the Confederate flag, and nobody knows that better than the Confederate flag's last standard bearers. Jesus Christ. Well, which like is, the Confederates? Which is, like, that's what I feel like he means. Like the Army also, of Northern Virginia? Like, no, what he's... he's but But... The Confederate flag is a pretty big seller in the South. Yeah. Like, what? Like, what is his... Uh, to, to the point that he's making, like, he's right, but also it's stupid. I mean, yes, there is a larger financial incentive for Facebook today to not put up a Confederate flag versus a Pride flag react. But, like, also... Uh, a Confederate flag react would rule, though. Also, for most of the 20th century, the opposite was true. The implicit truth of this is, like, whoever whoever sells better it gets to win is right like you know it doesn't work out that the most popular thing or whatever is always the best safest most healthy way to go about things which but is like, why populism is stupid because mm-hmm. people can be stupid yeah and also people don't even need to be stupid. They, they, do you know what I mean? Like there's a million variables because <laughs> I think something that I see in this article is like indulging in that like smarminess where you're like, well, I am like responsible and I am good and I am, you know, I worry about people around me. Like, yeah, okay. Sure, maybe that's all true, but it's also just another way to build a superiority complex. If people were really concerned about getting vaccine-hesitant people vaccinated, they wouldn't be condescending shitbags about it. Here's my monologue for that. Like, I get the impulse to feel morally superior and spiritually enlightened by the power of scientific certainty embodied in this abstract pleasure object known as vaccination. Let it cloak you in the warm bath of liberal religiosity that you were one of the anointed, one of those dedicated to watching the daily briefings for two years who knows what's right and what's wrong with capitalism and democracy and ideology. Because David Frum is everything that those ideologies are not. He is Marcuse's one-dimensional man. He is Freud's Oedipus Rex. He is emboldened by economic prosperity and quick to shoot down populist resistance. He rises above petty bullshit to tell it like it is, and then bully people by withholding consumption. To be a consumer vigilante, to roam the streets refusing cabs and cake shops if you don't have a vaccine mandate. Yes, that will show the doubting Dennis's. How dare they doubt? It is not the market itself that created such doubt in people's minds. No siree. Nor is it democracy. Democracy is pure and good. Babe swaddled in a manger, untouched by the woes of the world. I'm David from Destroyer of Worlds, and I'm going to suggest to Joe Biden the need for unvaccinated concentration camps. (laughs) I mean, yeah, uh, it's, I don't know. I just think that I've yet to meet many liberals who are sufficiently watching out for this kind of superiority complex fomenting stuff because it can be done around 
any myriad of legitimate, you know, arguably good, solid, smart, safe, healthy values or choices, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything I, he wrote I, in this I still wear a mask everywhere. Like, yeah, but everything he wrote stop. in this isn't... that. that none of that's a solution because... It's not addressing what is at the heart of a lot of people being vaccine hesitant. And it's also like Mr. Market shows them things that confirm their bias all the time. So without being aware of it's stupider and easier to say these assholes are being assholes and I've just got to demand my Uber driver be vaccinated and it's, it's going to go up the line and change everything. I mean, Which that- is the tact that Marlo seems to be taking. <laughs> well, no, it's not. You just said I'm going to treat it as though I am cloaked in the vaccination and therefore I'm just going to not care about it. I'm not. I'm gonna chill out in public and uh you know do stuff i'm vaccinated but yeah if we want to actually worry about other people getting vaccinated it's not going to happen through private market shit i'm not gonna complain to uh fucking low-wage workers that they should get vaccinated or i'll take yeah because you know what that that produces with with the market is uh lying and fake things that say you're vaccinated (laughs) like that's what happens (laughs) like you know uh like i just like how he was like maybe you could pressure your government to like make something like like the excelsior passes in new york and he says it very explicitly in the next section but go on marlo well i mean that's the other thing is he just uh completely gives up on any hope of a political solution because of quote unquote gerrymandering well i do think this is this is a political solution that he's arguing for yeah but uh, it has to come through this completely apolitical atomized consumer choice thing it can't be organized as a political solution well i think when he sees that fail i think he would push for uh like a a vaccine apartheid i mean that was the european model that he just gave up on after saying it worked like i Mm -hmm. mean he just kind of throws his hands up but oh yeah the reason our democracy works after he just said our democracy cannot work to do the most rational policies about promoting vaccinations the way it works is you have these oligarchic corporations who are more beholden to consumer demands than our so-called democracy is beholden to uh voter demands i I mean that's basically what his thesis is all right so the last two paragraphs address what's going on right now in florida which is getting hit the hardest Mm mm-hmm Over the early summer, conservative governors such as Florida's Ron DeSantis struck first, deploying the power of state governments to impose their values on recalcitrant businesses. Now it's time for public health conscious consumers to strike back, just as they would if the state of Florida tried to junk its fire codes or abolish food safety rules or forbid cruise ships at Florida ports from carrying lifeboats. Man, he's got to take so many cruise ships. Yeah, he's mentioned cruises quite a bit. This is telling, though, that he's using fire safety codes and, like, food safety standards, because literally the reason they need to be legislated is because 
corporations are not beholden to consumer demands for those things because for the most part there's an information gap and like customers can't cogently demand that we'll only buy meat that holds itself to certain standards you need the state to tell meat processing companies here is the standards you have to use the Biden administration's preference on COVID-19 rules has been to move slowly, to follow public opinion rather than force it. That makes <laughs> political sense, but COVID-conscious America has a friend and ally that can move faster. Say hello to Mr. Market. <laughs> and that's how he ends it. Yeah, and also I just have to point out uh, the original Mr. Market from that fucking book that all these ghouls have read was not an intelligent individual. That was the entire point. But Yeah, it was like, don't be this guy. Yeah, no, literally the whole purpose of Mr. Market was, oh yeah, the markets make irrational decisions, but you, the sound investor, must uh, rise above that. So it's, it's just an interesting little side note. Yeah, like, I mean, the the thing is, it's like, well, why does the FDA fucking exist? Because consumer demand couldn't enforce food safety. We literally tried that, and it didn't well, work. And, and, like, what kind of libertarian fucking fuckery is it to think, like, yes, I as an individual am going to have an expertise in like in every area to the degree where I can keep myself safe, etc. Like it's it's fine to have a organization that handles something that instead of it being like like somehow, you literally need it or else it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, like somehow in this imaginary land where I have knowledge in all of these areas. You know, it's it's just like, who, who you know... Uh, yeah, it just for some reason, America is just incapable of creating rational legislation about COVID-19. And he's completely just hand waves that away as mm -hmm. any possible solution because gerrymandering and ideology or something. Even though he also says, well... You know, if you think about it, Europe, Europe also has, like, right-wing parties. And it's, like, it's not clear why America can't just do what Europe does, uh, but he proposes... Like, all the way down, too, from the very beginning, they subsidized people's job wages that would yeah. have been lost otherwise because... People shouldn't lose their jobs because of a pandemic, and America did not. Like, Jesus Yeah, Christ. and I mean, that's the other thing is, like, uh, yeah, New York's saying, oh, yeah, we might go back into lockdown. Oh, you might have to wear masks again. But God fucking forbid that we reinstate the eviction moratorium. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, um, I'm sorry. It's rational to be skeptical that the vaccine's really a problem if you're the only one being asked to make sacrifices. Like, and I, I mean, I've mentioned it before, but for me personally, and this might speak to like me being overwhelmed by capitalist realism, but the thing that made COVID real was, oh damn, I don't think the NBA would suspend their fucking season if this wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, man, these people have a lot of money on the line. It sounds like they fucking have to do that. And yeah, uh, frankly, yeah, you should make landlords make sacrifices if you're asking tenants to make sacrifices. Yeah. Well, they won't. Yeah, so I guess it's not that big of a deal, because otherwise uh, we'd all have to be asked to sacrifice. I, I mean, that's the message you're spreading. But no, Marlo, it's just these bums in rural areas that are overrepresented that are ruining it for the rest of us. And I've been a long-standing um, proponent of saying that only people in cities should be allowed to vote. Like, so don't like try mm. and put all this on me. Don't at me from. Yeah, yeah. Don't come in my face. From, I, I yeah. literally believe that, yeah, the city uh, council of New York should just, like, be in charge of the entire state, especially the upstate dairy farmers. Yeah. But I maybe you shouldn't give up on a political solution. <laughs> yeah. Because... But the other thing isn't a solution at all. But then how would he get his rocks off, you know? I mean, he does love the I mean, talk about only that. working on paper. Yeah, sure, you said all that, and I guess it makes sense in your own internalized logic, but name a scenario where that could possibly work. I can't. Got any last thoughts, though? Nah. David from Dumpster. David from My Balls. David from in my pants. David too. David from Durst. <laughs> David in. I'm doing different David prepositions. Okay. All right, guys. All right. See ya. Bye. in your home tonight, we are Limp Biscuit, And this is Mr. Wes Borland. How many people out there have had one of those days? Oh yeah. Well, let me make this clear. This is not Woodstock 99. Fuck all that bullshit. But what this is, is me and you having a party like it is 1999 in this motherfucker.